Hello, Mitch and Grant back again. Back again. It's been a while, bit of a hiatus, a lot's happened, got married. I'd like to apologize to our two viewers, perhaps even three. Hold on, let me double check. Three viewers on our last one, so sorry about that, guys. So we're really blowing up here, so try not to attract too much attention, but you know, a few more views wouldn't help. Yeah. Wouldn't hurt. Yeah. So uh, today we're going to talk about uh, competition. Yeah. Yeah, so take it away. Lots of different forms. So I'd like to start with how competition is viewed in sports because that has a lot to do with public appeal. And something that's interesting to me is UFC. Because if you think about it from an objective standpoint where you're looking at it from the outside, and if you've never heard of UFC, that's a good way to look at it from an introductory standpoint. So you have what really is basically the most deadly form of combat for entertainment purposes only that is legal. So it's really interesting if you look at the rules of UFC. Like they wear how many ounces of the gloves they wear? Four, I think. Four ounces. So. Someone can fuck you up with a four-ounce glove. You can get your nose broken. You can break your jaw. Like, I've boxed with 14-ounce gloves, and luckily I've never gotten injured doing so. But you can get teeth snapped off. You can get a broken nose. You can get concussions easily with 14-ounce gloves. And when you have guys that have been training to do this with four-ounce gloves, like, there's the only reason, and don't don't get take this the wrong way, those four-ounce gloves aren't there for for like to make it a soft sport you know those four ounce gloves are there so that people don't die like if you get a a fist is a hard there's no padding on your knuckles you know if you get hit with a fist you 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 can't take much of that you'll get broken teeth well by the way uh they actually that is a thing now it's a legitimate sport no way yeah it's fairly recent. You can kill someone with about 10 punches full power if they don't have any defenses. Yeah. I it, mean, that's... It's, it's a legit... It's legit. It's it's pretty new, too. At least... There's like an organization. This Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. And a lot of these fighters are ex-UFC fighters. Men, women, they just fucking slug it out. Murking each other. You know, these guys are legit... So yeah, there's, it's it goes beyond the but four is ounce that, gloves. Is that, is that legal? Is that yeah. in America? Well, now, uh, I think it would depend on the state because yeah. the state of New York just recently legalized uh, MMA for UFC fighters. So only in the last two three years have have they even been eligible to perform there. So you have to understand that we're talking about a legal gray area. This is not something that. I mean, duels aren't legal like they used to be, right? We we have limits on to how how deadly things can get, but yeah. th- this is right on the edge here. The stuff we're talking about, right? It's, it's so it's interesting to me that UFC has gained the popularity that it has. Like, why is that? Why yeah. is it that we love watching the best of the best of all human beings through a self-selecting hierarchy? beat the fuck out of each other <laughs> up until the point just trying to prevent serious injury or death the ref calls it yeah like we stop the fight as soon as it's obvious 
that one guy could totally kill the other person if he wanted to. Yeah. Like pretty much. That was the fights uh yeah. last weekend. Yeah. That was uh Jacare Souza and Chris Weidman. Yeah. Weidman got hit so fucking hard and he's blasting in the orbit. Yeah. His his eyes rolled back in his head, he couldn't even move. It's essentially fighting to the death, but someone steps in and stops it before they yeah, kill him. I mean people have died during yeah. the sport. They've died. Yeah. You know, it has happened. It's not unheard yeah. of. But I think the appeal is and and interestingly enough most i would wager that the average fan is is more of a fan of the violent notion of fighting than they are a fan of mixed martial arts there are some fans who just have a deep respect Appreciate for, for martial that arts yeah. for what they are yeah but uh i'd say those fans are few and far between most people like that i've seen fighters like for example tyron woodley's a great he's a great example where a, a couple of his more recent fights were, by most accounts, boring. But realistically, they were just extremely technical, and he did what he had to do. Like, he fought a guy who, uh, his name's Damian Maya, he comes from a jiu-jitsu background. And, you know, no one can make that fight interesting. Maya just tries to get on you and, and just fucking grapple and jiu-jitsu you to death. But Woodley basically spent 25 minutes stuffing every takedown. Was it fun to watch? No, it was incredibly boring. But it was incredibly difficult, and most people could never achieve that. But most fans just aren't interested in that. What what wins fight of the year and what people want to see, and this goes for boxing as well, they don't much care for technical skill. It's the same reason. I mean, Floyd Mayweather is as popular as he is because people want to see him lose. That's it. They want to see who can take him out. And it's because he isn't in there to do damage. He's just in there to, to slip and slide and win by points. People want to see him get toppled by someone who's violent. People want to see violence. Those are the most interesting fights. Those are always the fights that are the most remembered. Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz, the second fight, the reason it's generally regarded as one of the biggest fights ever, besides the fact that Conor is a huge star, and the reason he's a huge star is because his fights almost always end by violent finish. He talks a big game, which of course sells, but also he fucking sleeps people. And people want to see people get knocked the fuck out. You know, there's a one guy, there's one fighter in uh, the heavyweight division. His name's Francis Ngannou. He's uh, like from Cameroon or some shit. And uh, he's, you know, out of France as well. Dude's fucking massive. Guy's an absolute. Have you ever seen him? Hmm. Okay. Guy looks fucking terrifying. Look at this. Utterly terrifying, dude. He is fucking gigantic. He's like 6'4", 260-something pounds. Look at this guy, right? Watch this. I know our three viewers can't see this, but let's see here. Oh, if this... we get ten viewers, we'll incorporate video into this. We will. <laughs> we'll do that. But uh, look, look at this. Look at this. And for for you all, loyal listeners uh, who want to see this, just YouTube uh, Francis Ngannou, Alistair Overeem knockout. Because it, it is just fucking terrifying. Look at this shit. Okay. Just, uh, it's, it's unreal how hard this guy gets hit. Guys are tall as fuck. Oh, yeah. They're about 6'4 or 5. You can just tell. Right there. Look at that. Oh, and that. Watch his body. He's fucking spasming. Yeah. He's spasming, man. Watch this shit. You'll, hopefully, there's a better quality. You'll see the spasm right here. Watch it. Like, after he falls, he hits him again. Yeah, watch. Right here? He was out right uh -huh. there. Hits yeah. him again. Watch his legs. Oh, shit. See that shit? Yeah. 
his body just totally fucking spasms. I mean, it did, he at first he was just out, and then he oh, hit him out. again, and he was for, out. his legs like shook. Yeah, yeah. He his eyes are rolled back in his head. But anyway, people want to see that for the violence, and I think that UFC boxing, uh, you know, particularly like uh, for example, Canelo, Canelo Alvarez, and uh, Gennady Golovkin just fought, which are two of probably the biggest boxers in in the entirety of boxing, and. That fight was great. It was great the first time, which it was a draw, which it shouldn't have been. Gennady won that fight. And then the second time, it was much slimmer, but uh, Canelo won that fight. So, one is they're both nearly undefeated. Gennady was undefeated, and uh, Canelo was... The only loss he had was to Floyd Mayweather, and it was a split decision loss. But the reason this, this fight was appealing the initial fight and the rematch besides their records and their reputation as they're both known as just fucking brawlers you know mm-hmm. they have technique but they bring it and they bring the heat and they're violent fighters so do they both come out it like that just yes. super aggressive yes uh there was some counter striking but neither of them were scared of the other's power hmm. you know they're both very aggressive fighters so they're like it's like putting two fucking pit bulls against each other yeah you know see if i feel like if i were to be in that participating in that sport, I would try to follow my favorite doctrine in the art of war, which is do the opposite of what your enemy does. So if, if your enemy is acting arrogant and confident, then you appear weak so that they underestimate you. And then you can strike when they're not expecting it, Mm -hmm. which I feel like none of them do. They all just try to see who can be the most arrogant and the most confident. Yeah, not necessarily. I would say that there are some pretty notorious counter strikers. Anderson Silva, granted, he was arrogant and he did showboat, and that's how he ended up losing after he was undefeated for like eight fucking years. Uh, a guy who's just blown up. We watched him last week in Israel Adesanya. He's fucking fantastic. He's great kickboxing record. He's primarily a counter striker. He doesn't come at you aggressively. He doesn't. He doesn't usually push you. He lets you come to him, and then he dips, sways, dodges, whatever. And just Tired fucking you out. yeah, he tires you out, and also he just counter strikes you. He you're just never he's never there when you swing at him. Mm-hmm. You know, Dominic Cruz made an entire career out of this. I mean, there's there's tons of examples in MMA, but generally, it's more prevalent in boxing. But anyway, to back to the more um, you know relevant point, it's that people watch people gravitate toward the most violent fighters. One because there is an innate primal attachment to violence and two it's the notion of competition and and how these things intermingle and competition in and of itself is exists solely for to prove who is the better man who is the better woman it is who who will come out on top and there's something inherently appealing to to see people peak specimens that most of us could never even fathom being you know we just it's just not even in our genetic material to mm-hmm. even like francis and gone i mean you see that guy he's a fucking freak i don't, I don't care how swole you get in the gym you're never going to be that guy mm-hmm. okay some of us are just predisposed to be a particular way and there is a tremendous appeal to seeing something that is like brock lesnar and that whole phenomenon uh there's a huge appeal seeing someone just seeing something that just shouldn't exist but yeah. it does and it, in many ways, physically supersedes the rest of us. And if you, if you think about what, what UFC is, is it's the ultimate selection contest of the alpha male by definition of humans 100,000 years ago. 
because like now if you think about the the social hierarchy for human society is i i would say and correct me if you have a different opinion but i would say that the top of the social hierarchy for the world right now is the american president not currently but just in general right do you agree yeah i can see that because well i mean social hierarchy on, on a more general scale more relatable to most people is going to be determined by how much money you make number one number two um education job title and then phys- physical fitness is is to, plays a much smaller degree i would say but humans a hundred thousand years ago were purely based on who could win in fights because yeah. it was about mating rights well, I think the the most notable uh, factor for what is determined as the alpha is political and financial power, easily. Yeah. You know, yeah, physicality. That physicality comes into play for people who aren't in that hierarchy in, yeah. Of, yeah. Of, of political and financial yeah. power. Those are, by far, the, the most prominent. There, there's two classes of... of- yeah. hierarchies essentially yeah so that's why people become fit and you know there's a bunch of reasons why you know mental health and some other shit as to why someone would go down that route maybe compensating for some insecurity well, whatever this is something that, I, that i've noticed is that and i'm not pointing fingers that this is something that i that i do but i think that people a lot of people who go to the gym regularly in an attempt to gain muscle and build strength do it for the same reason that people become vegans or become or, or go on any kind of strict diet yeah, is it's a control it's, it's yeah it's a struggle for control yeah. you, or or even people that get up at 5 a.m every morning by choice even though they don't have to do anything until yeah. eight it, yep. it's it's a struggle to have control over some facet of your life something that doesn't have to happen but it happens all the time because you choose for it to and that's somehow fulfilling to people yeah. that's kind of a side point <laughs> it is a side point but i would argue that it's sort of a seedling as to why these people end up in these positions yeah. and we'll use probably the most notable example for for competition is obviously it's conor mcgregor okay so the, the the general history is that he was like a fucking plumber's assistant in ireland and also when i was in ireland uh taxi took us right by where he grew up in crumlin which is like this little shitty Uh, to be perfectly honest no part of dublin looks shitty or ghetto at least by american standards like to me i'm like this is your ghetto Uh, like that's a prostitute like their prostitutes are all dressed nice they look good yeah that just looks like a regular person in america what the fuck (laughs) you know so uh we went by where where the guy grew up and and all that stuff but yeah you know the guy was on welfare he didn't have shit and you know the dude is big into visualization and that's l- largely why he is where he is he just vi- he just di- constantly visualized where he felt he should be or what he truly was and much of that got him to where he is and now of course when you get to the pinnacle of combat sports that's that's only going to take you so far heart and determination is only so much of the equation skill technique power comes into play at a certain point but through that, that allowed him to say, you know, you want to talk about control. You imagine being, you know, the guy's had a gr- the same girlfriend for many years. He's got a couple kids with her now. 
but you can imagine being on fucking welfare i don't think you could feel less in control than when you're surviving based on government funding and so he clearly was fucking tired of that he wanted to maintain a sense of control and through that got into you know martial arts and that's what led him to where he was you know and i'm sure there's an innumerable amount of factors that go into that but you know it's about control led him there the the desire for control rather but now as far as competition itself and his i'm sure a lot of it what keeps him there and many other fighters for that matter is the thirst for competition and more specifically the thirst the hunger to be better than some to be better than than their own selves to be a better version of themselves it's about growth uh and also to be better than someone else yeah be better than another well, see, when I go to the gym, one one of the things that motivates me because it's one thing to, to to talk about it, but when you're when you're let's say you can do ten reps before your muscles give up and you can't do anymore, after about seven reps, you just want to stop, and it would be so easy to stop and just take a break and then come back to it in a few minutes, but you can do those last two or three because you get this this thought. Like, you know, most people would stop right now, but not me. Yeah. Like, that's what sets me apart from other people is that I have this this discipline. And it, you know, it may not be true. It may just be some kind of, um, some neurotic control thing you have going on where you have to do it. It may not be that you're really different, that different than anyone else. And in a way, it could be viewed as a negative thing. It's a comp- kind of compensation but nevertheless, it's like when you go to the gym and you, you see people just standing around, like they, they come there with their friends. It's like a social thing. And there's like, I'll sit all the time. Yeah. There's like, there'd be a girl on her phone the whole time. She's yeah. just sitting on one of the machines. She's on her phone the entire fucking time. Yeah. There's like, there's like three or four of them that come together and they all alternate on one machine. And so, so one of them, well, three use, of them are standing around yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. hanging out. And then they're like taking videos of the one on the machine. Oh my God. That's so douchey. <laughs> That's so fucking douchey. And then, see, I go to a college gym, right? So yeah. I see the pinnacle of, of, of gym of douche. douchiness. Yeah. yeah. I've actually heard people say, bruh, not bruh. bro. I've heard people say, bruh, bruh, genuinely, not, not in a joking way. Wow. But, but like with a straight look on their face, like, what's up, bro? Like white guys. That's bad. Yeah, that's bad. Well, where you're at, it's probably <laughs> mostly white guys. So, oh shit, that's terrible. Yeah, so that that actually exists. That's disgusting for anyone who's curious. Yeah, and it's like I I try not to be resentful about stuff because it's not a good way to be. But man, it's like I go in there and I see these guys standing around, and like one person will be using the machine, and their friends will be standing around them. And then that guy will finish, and then he'll use the machine, and then he'll finish, and they like they alternate. And I'm thinking like, okay, so if you spend an hour in here, you've maybe only done three sets, whereas I've spent an hour in here, and I've spent the entire time doing workouts, and that's why I I was able to gain 15 pounds of muscle in six months, whereas these guys probably took two years to gain that much muscle. And I'm and the thing is, I've only been working out for a year, but I'm already stronger than 75% of the people in there. Guys that are way bigger than me, like just wider, right? Yeah. I'm way stronger than them. Like I can just tell when they're. <laughs> like, I could easily bench press 170, and I'll see like big guys like 
at first glance, like if I hadn't seen them lifting weights, I would I would be worried that this guy would kick my ass. But then as I see him get down on the bench press and he's struggling to push up one thirty five, and it's it's kind of it's kind of satisfying. In a Jundar way. told me uh, a while ago. He's like, yeah, man, I've been really making progress. I'm like, that's great. Uh, he's he's like, yeah, I've been benching and shit. And I'm like, cool. Uh, I said, how much can you bench? He said, uh, hold on, what is it? How much is a bar weigh? The forty five. Forty five. Yeah. One forty five plate on each side is one thirty five. Let me see if he'll respond. I, I don't want to misquote this one second. <laughs> Let's see. We'll come back to this. I, I want to know how much right. he can bench. He told me once, but I don't want to misquote it. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. So I, I just feel like the appeal is is that primal instinct. It's it's to see it's to see who is the better man because most of us are just living it vicariously. We can't know. We we will probably more than likely not be that person, right? So for me, like it's like why I am interested in and fighting martial arts and all this other stuff. It's like, one, I have too many fucking health issues to ever be that guy. Mm-hmm. And too many physical limitations to ever yeah. be that guy. And also, you know, genetically, even if I didn't have problems, there's, like, come on. You saw that fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even look yeah. human. Well, I mean, th- there's know? things, like, that, that limit me. Like, I've noticed... My car, I'm not built for cardio, for one thing, even though I'm a tall, slim guy. That's genetic. Like fast twitch yeah. muscle fiber. Uh, no. I have that gene in 20, uh, I did the 23andMe, and Libby has it as well, where essentially you're built for like really, uh, you could sprint like a motherfucker. Yeah, and I you, can. And you could do like short bouts of just like crazy lifting. Mm-hmm. But your endurance in terms of, of anything, really, like over a long period of time, you mm-hmm. fade. Yeah. You fade hard. And don't get me wrong, I'm not bad. I mean, yeah. I've ran a mile in six and a half minutes before, but for most athletes who do that regularly, six and a half minutes is child's play. Yeah. And that, that took everything out of me. Yeah. And what I've also noticed is that after doing um, strenuous cardio, running miles less than eight minutes, my heart will skip beats during the recovery period. And it takes me a good, I would say it takes me about an hour for my heart rate to get down to full 70 beats per minute resting heart rate after running and then 30 minutes after running my heart rate's probably still at 100 like it takes forever for me to recover and then my heart's skipping beats visibly i can i can use the heart rate monitor on my phone and it's still skipping beats i can see it <laughs> it's right. kind of scary but it's supposed to be normal but you're not really cut out for guy. cardio if that's this happening. guy's like 42 Name's Yoel Romero. He's a silver medal Olympic wrestler. Look at this, forty-two years old. Guarantee neither of us look like that at forty-two. Look at this fucking dude. He's Cuban. He's an absolute monster. I'm trying to trying to find a video uh, during his, some of his training exercises that I want to show. It's fucking nuts. This is just him, his little warm-ups on the on stage. It's crazy. Dude's a beast. He's still going. He just fought. He's fought for the title like three fucking times. Lost like split decisions and shit. And shit. Guy, guy's a, a fucking monster. He's terrifying. I want to show you. Look at the. Watch him jump. 42 years old. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. 
It reminds me of something I want to show you later. <laughs> right. I, I've got to show you this motherfucker flipping people. Into... So there's a video of him training. And I wish I could find it. The training is legitimately... Maybe this is it. It's, it's just him kneeling on the ground. And his teammates run at him. And he just continually flips them. Like, a, like fucking 20 times. They just keep running, and he just flips them, flips them, flips them. He just lifts them up like they're children. They're little children. You know? Look, this is him coming into the fucking... Uh, this is what he does. This is him walking in. Look at this shit. 42. Pretty sure he's 42. Watch this. <laughs> <laughs> fucking cartwheel backflip. Jesus fucking Christ. The dude is a, is a genetic freak. Check this out. This is a flying knee knockout. Look at that. Just imagine being that incredibly athletic. Like just the athleticism. That's genetic. That is... I. There's a difference between like being fit and fucking yeah. being a genetic specimen. Just, just think... Have you ever thought about like... A hundred thousand years ago... That was all that determined the human hierarchy. Yeah. So if you think about it, this, like, humans have only been determined by hierarchies other than physical strength for maybe the last, maybe the last 10,000 years at best, right? But homo homo sapiens have been around for maybe a quarter million years. So really, humans have only been deciding hierarchies through methods other than this for less than 10% of our existence. So that's why... When we see stuff like this, it's so primal. Yeah, I mean, I mean this yeah, is, like this guy. Yeah, Paulo. Uh, his name's Paulo Costa. He is. Uh, they call him the Eraser. I'm sure you can imagine why. Look at this guy. Look at this fucking guy. I mean, he he. It's it's unbelievable. He fights like a complete machine. He's like just imagine trying to fin that off. Just imagine the the fucking Herculean. Strict. Look at this fucking poor guy just wildly swinging underneath. My God. Right here. This guy right here, he's a fucking vet. He was the champion at 170 pounds. His name's Johnny Hendricks. He was the fucking champ. Destroyed this guy. Embarrassed him. He usually marks everybody in the first round. Rarely does anyone ever make it out of the first round. This is one of the rare exceptions. This is his most recent fight. And this guy's like a top guy. You're right, Hall. I mean, just look at this freak fuck. Yeah, there's no way. My God. It's a beast. Yeah. and But I think that desire is still within us. is to see things resolved in that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Among people. Among men. Yeah. It's very refreshing on some primordial level. Yeah, well, because things have advanced, so to speak, so much so that, that we've lost touch we, with we that. We miss it. Yeah. yeah, we miss it. Football. I mean, look at football, for fuck's sake. Football yeah. is incredibly violent. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's very interesting because you have... There's something weird about football where there's, there's an abstractness to it where... It's not, like, it's the ball that's the objective of the game, right? The goal is to get the ball, but there's not a direct objective 
to just fuck up the other person like there is in UFC. No. You want to... There's... There's a... a right, yeah. A People get objective. fucked up, but it's, it's that's not the intent. <laughs> yeah. The basic objective is to get a ball into a place, and you have a set of resources, a set of people that are each skilled in certain skill sets, and it's the organization of those resources that delivered the goals for either team. And so it's, but it's it's violent in its nature, and it's very the 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 method by which tasks subtasks of the main task get completed is very personal and close and one-on-one like tackles for example is is the goal right so that there's very and blocking everything is very personal and violent and and close proximity but there's also this part abstractness to it which is why i think a lot of people like it because it's slightly more complicated in that sense it has a lot to do with logistics yeah and balancing well it's a lot more people it's a team game yeah so by default, there's going to be way more variables yeah. because it's a team. Here, the objective in fighting is to like fuck the other guy up. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you're still standing, you win. Mm-hmm. That's it. And yeah, I do think it appeals. I mean, I, like the way I wa- like I do appreciate a more technical fight. I can mm-hmm. appreciate a guy's technical prowess, like the examples that I gave you, like Woodley versus Maya and whatnot. But having said that, hell yeah, I love watching two people. I'm not ashamed to say there is that primal instinct. It's like, oh my God, look at this. Some of the best fights I've ever seen. They look like they're going to fucking murk each other. Last week, the best fight on that card was uh, Chris Weidman and Jacare Souza because they beat the shit out of each other. Mm -hmm. And everybody wants to see that. I mean, it just is what it is. It's human nature. You can't help it. Because it, it harkens back, yeah, to an older time where that's where you were judged. As, as a man, you know, like some mm. gladiatorial shit. Yeah. Who who will be on top? And also, there, there's a survivalist concept shrouded within that as well, mm. where we want to see survival of the fittest. It's Darwinism at its finest, you know. We want to see that. We want to see that play out. Mm. And we get to participate as a viewer, in a sense. And I think the way you were talking about how some some fans look at it from the technical aspects and they appreciate it from those aspects, but it's a minority. I think that that same drive, or not a drive, but a, a, a direction that's being taken by humans now that hasn't been taken before, which is to examine more technical and abstract aspects, is part of the reason why football is so popular. Because it's definitely more technical and more complex than UFC. There's more going on. There's more variables that come into play. So I, I think that that is um, that is the new pinnacle of, of hierarchies. Like um, a great example of a, of a sport like that I can think of is like we played paintball a few weeks ago. Yeah. And that was the first time I had played paintball in, in years. And I forgot how much I love playing that. Because it was awesome. <laughs> it, it was, right? My team got the fuck beat out of us. <laughs> we got destroyed, the, but the it was fir- still The fun. first three games, anyway. Yeah. But that's only because well, I was... Well, it's my a... brother, man. He's a fucking dumbass tie-dye yeah. shirt. He just stand out in the middle and get shot yeah. all to pieces. Well, see, the, the thing... <laughs> dumbass. Such a dumbass. And you want to know the fucked up thing that I thought of way after the fact? It's, like, embarrassing how absent mind that i was during this whole shit so i only ever got out one time mm-hmm. so that means that every other time we lost mm-hmm. i just surrendered by accident <laughs> i didn't even mean to Wait, you were the only one left yes there? i never got i got why shot didn't you keep one, fighting 
I just forgot. I just was like, oh, game's over, I guess. I saw all my teammates get out, yeah. and I never thought, I'm still in this. Well, I just, by default, whatever reason, was like, oh, okay, game's over. <laughs> just got up and walked you out. Know the, 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 it was the first match that our team lost, and I fought to the bitter end. Remember? <laughs> there were yeah. like three of you guys left. Yeah, yeah, I remember And you that. were all trying to kill me. And it, mm-hmm. it, eventually, I think you're, it was actually your brother, ironically, that shot me right in the face mask. Yeah. But with me, like I, I, I just forgot that I was still an active participant. I was like, oh, well, my guys are dead. I guess I'm done. <laughs> and no one shot me. I only got shot by Daddy. I only got shot by my cousin one oh, time. Yeah. He clipped me in the back. But other than that, I never got shot. Ever. I just, I mean, we still lost. And yeah. we still would have lost had I popped my fucking head out. You know, but I was like, nope, fuck that. I'm not getting yeah. shot by four people. So I just casually got up and walked away. You know? But no, I think what I love about paintball is it's the direct opposite of UFC, and because it's very, it's very geometrical and abstract, and tactical like chess, sort of right. Because like in chess, you can't look at direct one-on-one engagements like you do. Like football is just, is just a sum of all one-on-one engagements, and UFC is just. One, a single one-on-one engagement but paintball is engagement at a distance right kind of like chess is like you can move pieces across the board yeah and, and just the, anticipate the that. scope of the field well, like when you're playing football it's team team versus team and one side is on you're they're on this side you're on the other side mm-hmm. right it's very evident until you cross paths and even then like that that intermingling isn't that far but with paintball yeah. i mean it's multiple angles a big fucking area yeah and it can be yeah you start on each, each side i guess it is similar to football in that aspect where you sh- you start well there's on much, differing sides yeah you know there's but, still teams t- trying to achieve a goal and you have to coordinate resources and another thing that's similar to football is it's still very combative and it's like it's if i win you lose and it's made up of one-on-one battles and it's it's very um you know like i'm trying i'm trying to to shoot you and you're trying to shoot me we're trying to we're trying to beat each other but we're 75 feet away and the only thing that's traveling between us is just this this little small thing so it's almost it's it's like football but it's a little bit colder i would say in yeah. the sense that it's not quite so you're not you're not walking up to the fight like a man. You're, in in a sense, <laughs> both people are backing down from the fight and trying to attack each other at a distance. Yeah. So it's it's. So it's, it's almost like I would argue that uh, where in those sports it's physicality and aggressiveness that often wins. Yeah. Right. But, but it's evasiveness. Yeah. In paintball, it's in evasiveness paintball. and and tactics. Yeah, precision. Yeah. Like, one of the things... The reason our team won so much, the first three rounds at least, until you started to pick up on our methods, was that, first of all, we would split up and... It's just all made of tactics. You'd split up and we'd get flanked constantly. We would flank you. We would... What we... The mistake we made is, one, Jundar stuck way too fucking close to me, which was annoying. So, he was just trying to, like, body block me or some shit, and he did (laughs) successfully, and he lit him up. But... We were too stationary. I was too trepidatious to move forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cody would just lean out and just get shot to fucking pieces. And Drew would just pull up and just get shot. Yeah. You know, I was too passive, mm-hmm. too evasive. I just didn't want to get shot. I'm like, fuck that. And so I wouldn't move up and I wouldn't take risk and we wouldn't cut angles. 
we were just too lumped back in the back and then you all would push up split up angle around us and flank us you distract us we get flanked shot in yeah. the back yeah every time so i mean the 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 key thing that i learned from that game was there's two states you can be in you can be in cover and vulnerable right and you can you can to a certain degree force your opponent as to which one you want them to be in so if you want them to be in cover then you fire at them and if you want them to be vulnerable then you make yourself a target right but you can't shoot if you're in cover otherwise you know you'd have to expose yourself so you can you can play that to your advantage so like when you have to be vulnerable when you're moving from one place to another you can fire at them to force them into cover and then, which is great yeah. i think a mistake uh that i saw a lot of people made i probably made this mistake at first as well is uh th- feeling like when you're running between cover mm-hmm. you can only run between cover and nothing else oh yeah you know, and then you're just only a target. Yeah. You're not firing back, so the best thing to do is to, even if it's just some like fucking firing from the hip. Mm-hmm. It, it's just the threat yeah. of the shot they while just, you're. You running. just want them to hear shit exploding around them, and it'll so be they're fearful to scare and they and they stay yeah. in cover, even though like you're moving up, you're totally vulnerable. Yeah. You could get shot to fucking pieces. Yeah, you know, but you're like, yeah. you're blasting in those, so they're they're not gonna pop their head up. Yeah, you know, they're not gonna take that risk because they yeah. feel like they're gonna get shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn it! I wanted to do the zombie so, thing. That, that's what I love about that game is it's it's all just mind games. It's just it's just fucking with people. Just intellectual, yeah. ev- evasive, tactical shit, and I I love it for that reason. It's, yeah. it's so it does, but it just makes me want to. Every time I hear that shit, it just that's why I play that fucking game, that UFC game. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It's fucking mind games. Like people will start to f- formulate patterns. Lots of players like. Only the best players in the world, like the fucking best best, and I'm in like the top 50, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but the best, best, best players, the players that beat me are ones who are incredibly unpredictable. They don't have patterns. They're not rhythmic. They're just nearly impossible to predict, and they're fast. That's what's hard to beat. But most players, the average player, the players I generally fucking smoke are players who formulate patterns. They have move sets or combos that they go back to and this goes for the actual fights as well they have tells they do something specific like when daniel cormier knocked out stipe miocic he became the heavyweight champ stipe is the most defending heavyweight champion in ufc history defending it three times it's the first time it's ever been done cormier is the smaller man generally like in height and whatnot he's like 511 he's a fat guy you know stipe is six foot four fucking firefighter he's a beast you know well He's lean and physical and fit. Stipe got knocked out. Now, the reason he got knocked out is because Daniel won the mind game aspect of it. He he found his tail, which is when Stipe gets in the clinch position, when he's like this, in close, in clinch, when he disengages the clinch, he drops his arms, always. Cormier went back and looked through all his tape, all of his fights. Every fight he got in a clinch position, for the most part, he'd drop his guard coming out of the clinch, so... Cormier caught him with a right hook and I believe an uppercut and it slept him, knocked him right out, you know, and Cormier is not even close to his, pa- he, and, and the big fucking crazy freak guy, Francis mm-hmm. Ngannou, yeah. he, huge hype train, he was expected to be the next champ, Stipe fucking aced him, he, he wrestle fucked him for five rounds, beat him dominantly, completely derailed his hype, fucked him up, then Francis is, Ngannou's next fight, he, he was too trigger shy, he didn't want to get tired. Like he did in the first fight. So he derailed his career for the time being. You know, Stipe did. And then Stipe got slept by a much smaller man based on tact alone. 
right? Where he saw him drop his guard. And when Daniel Cormier lost to John Jones, did the same thing. And Cormier knows that he has that weakness and he still fell for it, where John just outsmarted him. He kept hitting him low in the body, kicked the shit out of his legs, kicked him in the body. He's kept going for that body. So when he go in for a kick, Cormier expected a low kick. So he went to block his body. He got kicked in the fucking head. And it all went downhill from there. And he got knocked out. You know? His first knockout loss he's ever had. It got overruled for no contest because John popped for some kind of steroid. But they said it was, you know, bullshit, whatever. He's, he's innocent. But nonetheless, he's coming back next month. And by the way, I'm going to get people down here for that fight. It's going to be tough. Right. Uh, but still yet, like, that tact. That's why I love the sport. I personally love it. Yeah, I like the violence, but more importantly, I love seeing incredibly intelligent fighters. I love seeing shit that I'm like, like the guy who fought last week in Israel Adesanya, big hype on this dude coming up. He's like 75 and 4, 75 and 5 as a kickboxer. He is so fucking smooth. He's so slick. He uses so much tactic when he fights. He's incredibly evasive. He sees, he reads your tells. It's it's almost like poker. You know, you're trying to call somebody's bluff. And, you know, I love when fighters use feints and all kinds of shit. It, it's just so interesting to me. And there's so many ways to approach it because you can use, it's mixed martial arts. There, There's a ton of them. You know, you got fucking Muay Thai and then you've got Taekwondo. Muay Thai is more like elbows, knees. They say it's the sport with like eight limbs. You know, there's a ton of elbows and knees. And then you have uh, Taekwondo, which are like fucking spin kicks and crazy shit. You got point karate fighting, kickboxing, boxing, wrestling. There's a ton of shit, you know. And so seeing that gel together and, and seeing someone who has a complete game, like the guy who just uh, got traded, Mighty Mouse, uh, Demetrius Johnson, just got traded to a one championship uh, about a week or two ago. He's one of the most complete fighters I've ever seen. He is, he is, he's good in all areas. That's what it takes to be world class. And so that's what's interesting to me is, is that hierarchy of, of complete and utter competition and dominance. I'm interested in that. And that's like with the game and shit, that's what's so interesting is you can simulate that. For, so for somebody who can't actually do it, you can simulate it. And yeah. it's so fucking detailed and it, has so, it can't completely capture the essence of the sport, but it comes really close. And there's so many methods. And, and I love playing the shit to the point to where I can completely embarrass the opponent. Like, not just beat them, but just outclass them so badly that they don't even know what the fuck to do. Yeah. And that's why I enjoy the sport. That's why I love watching the sport. And that goes really for any sport. You know, I love a lot of sports, but that's the one that I genuinely follow. Because I love the concept that, it's the, that it is that old gladiatorial notion of it's just two fucking dudes locked in a cage... And that's it. There is no team. There is no, and that's the thing about uh, football. The average football game is like eleven minutes played. Like that's how much you see played. Mm-hmm. Is 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 just a few minutes. Most of it's just commercials, timeouts, bullshit. It's just mm-hmm. a bunch of bullshit. When you see a fight, that's fucking it. They get thirty seconds between rounds. Mm-hmm. They they go to commercial break. It's like a thirty second commercial. We're back to it. Mm-hmm. You get thirty seconds to co- to get your fucking breath. Take a gulp of water, take some corner advice, and get back out there and fight to the fucking near death. That's it. You, you get nothing else. And I just love the finality of that. I love that there, I love that there are only so many variables. I yeah. love that it is genuinely just about who is the better fucking man or woman and nothing else. So yep. it's the lack of complexity 
that makes it so interesting to me. The removal of all their all other layers. Yeah. It's just the most basic level, just physical strength. Yeah. And 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 strength doesn't and that's the thing though is like not, I there, mean I don't it, mean strength. To yeah, but weight. but there know. is enough complexity to where it isn't just always about strength. Some of the best fighters in the world aren't the John Jones isn't the strongest fighter. He's just one of the smartest fighters. In fact, the most powerful fighters really aren't the ones who are generally regarded as the greatest. The greatest fighters within MMA that are typically talked about are like George St. Pierre, Demetrius Johnson, John Jones, Anderson Silva, people like that, Daniel Cormier. And it's because they have a complete game. You know, they're smart. All of those people that I just named are intelligent fighters, not just powerful. Powerful power will only get you so far. You will eventually get derailed, which is what happened to Francis Ngannou. He went on against a guy who was more tactful. Stipe Miocic was a smarter fighter than him, and he's a more complete fighter. That's what it takes because you will get stopped eventually. And just like Conor McGregor, you know, tremendous striker, um, great counter striker, great use of uh, head movement, evasion, tact. His ground game is, is just not there. It's better than people think it is, but... Not enough to compete with the higher end. It's just not, you know. So he's he's going to get outclassed at, at a certain point. But anyway, yeah, competition is just fucking fascinating. I think it's, you know, even women find it interesting too. But as a man, I, it's just it's just instinctual. Yeah. You can't help it. You can, And I don't give a shit if it's, if it's a game. I don't, I don't care. Like just, me, you'd be hard pressed. And I would argue that, any man who isn't interested in some form of competition is more than likely, you know, socially subservient. He's more than likely considered by conventional standards a beta of some sort. Well, I no, see, I feel like people assign beta like there's just, there's like it's a binary category like alphas and betas, but betas are actually the second in command. They're like Arthur in Red Dead Redemption too. <laughs> They they, yeah. they omega f- then how about that yeah that's what you should you because go. betas are actually yeah well by proper by, yeah. by proper terminology you're correct yeah but by general slang yeah. that's what it's regarded yeah but incorrectly I so I, I it's I, like an incorrect yeah. it's slang but it's incorrectly used yeah I have a problem with yeah. incorrect slang but anyway yeah like, that's like, semantics but omega like, that's a fucking yeah. true omega well there's a lot of omegas I mean like in in actual animal hierarchies betas what they do is they build up around the alpha because eventually an alpha will become weak. And what the betas will do is they will team up on the alpha. Like, let's say there's one alpha and three betas. If the three betas together think they have a chance to bring the al- down the alpha, they will try. Because even though o- there can only be one alpha, but it doesn't matter. Each beta has a 33% chance of becoming the next alpha. So they'll take that chance. They'll gang up on the alpha. It's better than having zero chance. Mm-hmm. Just to have one of the betas take over, yeah. and they'll they'll play that. In game. animalistic terms, sure. Yeah. But I would say that most most betas, by human standards, yeah. that's possible. But I would say that more than likely, the beta is to me, at least my my interpretation of it. You know, in semantics aside, beta, omega, what the fuck ever, is someone who is a yes man. He he is there to support the alpha, but doesn't have the audacity to become one. Right, yeah. because in in human standards by human by humans within human society and human standards, there I'm sure there are scenarios where you can wait for the alpha to become weak to be, to become one, but generally it's just that 
you the alpha is the person who took the risk the alpha is the person like if we're talking in terms of like financial power and this that and the other these are people people some of the wealthiest people in the world yeah some of it's old money but a lot of these people are risk takers you know these are people you have to take risk most times to get ahead in life you have to not always but most times you know most of the fucking like you know with great fucking risk comes great reward but i would argue that most people who are not born into some sort of fucking mass fortune who take no risk get nowhere at least the people that i know right so animalistically sure you're right but i'm talking in terms of like if you see someone at least in my personal experience of the people that i've met if i if i meet someone who has no fucking desire to be interested in any kind of sport of any fucking e-sport i don't care anything mm-hmm. i'm not saying they have to know everything about it or or even be active in it they don't have to play a sport but just to not respect the art of competition or to not be interested in it generally speaking these people are lower on the social ladder i would say i would say that most yeah. times these are people who who lack communication skills and probably aren't well, the most you know socially apt so you're referring to the omega then but the delta is an is an interesting category because the way they work is they see themselves as foreigners to the entire hierarchy. So the way they see it is they do not recognize authority or... See, I thought that was the gamma. Let's look at this chart. Yeah. This okay. is interesting. Yeah. I do like this. This, These types of things... Uh, I, you know this whole like discussion of alpha this thing because i I found this chart one time and whichever like, one i was trying to describe is my favorite i'll describe it once we once it's we gamma. hammer down the i know it's gamma but i'll find the chart but anyway continue while i find this chart what i love about this category of men is that for one thing they do not fear authority it really if you think about Here it this yeah I know exactly what you're talking about. This is considered the gamma by this definition. I'll, I'll go from the top. So the alpha is confident in himself and his abilities. He's at the highest position in his social sphere. The alpha does not care what anyone thinks of him because he does not fear replacement. This tier is home to captains of industry and social butterflies. The beta tier and, and their uh, psychological and, and social construct are dominant. And then betas psychologically are dominant and socially submissive. So the beta is psychologically similar to the alpha, but lacks the same social opportunities. They surround the alpha, as you indicated, ready to take his place if the position opens. They will submit to the alpha, but no one else. Frequently referred to as yes men, this tier is inhabited by bureaucrats and middle managers. The one you're referring to is the gamma. They're psychologically dominant and socially rejective, which hits on what you discussed. The gamma contrasts with the beta in that they do not surround the alpha Uh, attempt to follow trends or submit socially the gamma is dominant psychologically coming up with new ideas while rejecting mass culture this is the domain of artists philosophers hipsters and edgy teens but it is true yeah okay honestly that that's the one i strive to be because for one thing i have no interest in controlling people or or being an alpha i i I, this is true independence yeah mainly because i i when i when i see alphas like the guy who i told you said bruh in the gym like I, I, 
I don't want to be that person. I have no interest in being I would that. hope not. Yeah, I have no interest in being that yeah. person. And see, and see and so, that's what I'm saying. But like the yeah. alpha in this but picture. But at the same time, I'm not, I'm not going to compete with that guy unless there's some kind of personal affront to me, right? Right. Like it, if, there's, if it becomes personal, I have no problem competing with alphas. But yeah. I'm not going to go out of my way to, to, to set my stage in the, res- in the view of other people with respect yeah, so to that So the person, social aspect right? of it has no bearing on, yeah. on your mindset. But see, what I'm saying is, in that instance, the alpha, the, the way I'm describing beta, incorrect, you know, perhaps the fucking semantics of it have been distorted. But by modern convention, this is what the beta is considered, you know, as incorrect as it may be. So in that instance, it would be the alpha would be, you know, the guy who can lift the most, right? And mm-hmm. he's lifted. And then the three little betas are surrounding him, yeah. watching him. Yeah. Right. So that's Taking the way that videos works. of them. Yeah, yeah. And then the delta. So the delta, psychologically submissive and socially submissive. The delta does not possess the drive or ambition to improve, preferring to simply exist rather than seek success. Deltas may either be simply content with mediocrity or too inept psychologically or socially to raise to a higher tier. They typically serve as factory workers or in the service industry. And finally, the Omega is psychologically submissive and socially rejective. They not only lack ambition and confidence, but are totally incapable of compatibility within society. Omegas are known for their inability to fit in socially or operate under pressure. They are traditionally the Omega is traditionally the scapegoat for any failure. They often cannot keep jobs. So this is the chart that I usually go by. I'm not saying it's 100% accurate, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you know that 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 mostly um, describes it. Yeah. You know, the gamma is easily the most appealing. Yeah. I I like to consider myself within that category as well. I do not care what other people think, but yeah. at the same time, I I don't fear anyone or anything yeah nor do i think i'm inferior yeah you know as you're, a person. Like, you're like the kind of guy where if you see an alpha picking on an omega for no reason yeah. that you would i was exactly that it. guy in high school yeah. that was me i did the same thing like <laughs> I, was me. I i never got bullied in school yeah. and i never bullied anyone but on several occasions i was the guy that stepped in and stopped it yeah so no, i definitely got picked on because i'm a fucking ginger but besides that <laughs> uh later in school and in high school that was me through and through that was complete. I think I may have mentioned this when we recorded previously, but my mom would always make me go up and talk to that girl. She was, you know, really overweight girl, mm. uh, and everybody would make fun of her, pick on her. My mom would always make me go up to her and talk to her and and just make her feel human for fuck's sake, you know. And throughout school, and as I got older, that was me and is me. I can't fucking stand it. I can't stand when I see someone behave that way and just berate and fucking dest- try to destroy the integrity of another person mm-hmm. the the fucking mental barrier of another person for their own ego yeah you know so that fucking awakens something within me where i'm like fuck that i can't tolerate that shit like i have like you said i have no interest in competing with this guy i don't give a shit fuck him and his, his stupid social crap mm-hmm. you know how i am i don't fuck with that social media shit i don't give a shit about any of that stuff i don't care half of our fucking recordings are about shitting on <laughs> how that. fucking stupid it is <laughs> so i definitely don't give a fuck but it definitely absolutely bothers me when people treat people that way then i feel like i have to say something i have to insert myself into the situation yeah you know it's like this this one time in high school i'm this is probably one of my best memories from high school but so my senior year 
a lot of my friends that were upperclassmen that graduated and I just had a couple people that were in my grade that I would sit with at lunch and there were a couple of like underclassmen that I didn't even know that would sit with us. I don't even know why they chose to sit with us because I don't think they knew anyone in our group. But there was this one dude who was like kind of overweight. He was in band and he sat with us for whatever reason. Oh, he was in band, that right there. Yeah, that that's dude. all you need to know. <laughs> and I would I wouldn't I wouldn't like make fun of him, but I'd give him a hard time a little bit in a friendly way. But he, the whole time he probably just thought I was a dick. But he'd always sit with us. But I wouldn't like you know attempt to leave or anything, kick him out of the group. I was like, yeah, whatever. And then I just remember there was this freshman. We actually had this name for him. We called him Swagfag because he Swagfag. Yeah, <laughs> because he 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 looked like the way he dressed and everything was just so gay. But he walked with like this ridiculous stride, so like a sachet. Yeah. Or was it like a like a bro stride or like a little gay? It was, it was like it was a bro stride. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. But but it was funny because he was like a freshman and you know he had no no credit at all yeah. at the high school and yeah. and I just remember one day this this fat band nerd kid was was trying to walk between the tables and the the sachet dude had his chair sticking out into the aisle and so the band nerd tried to like push his chair up a little bit so he could fit through. And the sachet dude just stands up and is, like, going to fight this guy because he pushed his chair in. And he, like, shoves him. And, you know, I was, like, 6'2 back then. I had finished growing my senior year. And I I didn't even think about, like, I wonder if I should do this. Just because I, I, this guy was, like, six inches shorter than me. He was... Swagfag or yeah, Bang Guy? Swagfag. Was Bang Guy also short? Yeah, and he was chubby. Okay. But you could tell that poor band guy was just intimidated by, by swag yeah. bag. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even think about like what what I was going to do. Because I knew I was going to get in trouble for it. I knew I wouldn't have to fight this guy. Because I knew he was going to back down. And so I just like stood up so quick that my chair like shot out from behind me. And I was just like, sit the fuck down. And he just looked at me and he was like, man. And he sits down. <laughs> <laughs> man. <laughs> Like his mama fucking scolded him <laughs> his daddy or some shit, man. And then, and then, but it felt good because later the the fat band nerd was like, "Hey, thanks for doing that." It's like, "Oh yeah, man." Yeah, yeah. Keep in order. Yeah, <laughs> keep in fucking order. But at the same time, it's like, while it does fucking irk me, and I feel like I have to. Do you think that maybe you should just let nature take its course? It'd be like intervening if you saw an, an animal chasing down another animal in the wild to eat it and just because you are superior you could intervene and stop it but should you no because not in that situation because band nerd kid was probably only 15 or 16 right so he's not developed as a person he may be socially inept now but seven years down the road he he could turn out to be a totally different person and it, it could but if he's constantly oppressed his entire childhood, he's not going to be that person. Makes sense. Yeah. True. So I feel like that that could potentially have an improvement. Yeah. But if, if you're just talking about nature in general, too too fully developed. So you're species. trying to let him flourish. This yeah. fucking guy is trying to smother his flame. Yeah. You you want to see the flame go? You want to see how high it can get? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, the, one of the Buddhist principles is non-interference. So just don't get involved in anything. Just just make yourself the best person you can, and that all you will put good into the world by making yourself the best person you can without Do you interfering agree with, with that? the world. What? 
Do you agree with that? On a lot of levels, yeah. But you do think there are instances where you should interfere? Yeah, there's some, yeah. I mean, so. you should... You, you have to be balanced to it. You know, you that's the big problem is you can't assume... You can't assert yourself into everything, which yeah. I think is a huge problem. Exactly. You can't you can't take sides on everything. Yeah. You have that's, to find that's balance like in everything. That's like fucking American <laughs> issue 101. Oh, yeah. It's like the number one fucking problem, yeah. inserting ourselves into every fucking thing. This is this is something I was actually going to tell you about. It's, it's just luck that I remembered it on this podcast. But I was going to tell you about this, that something I discovered, which is one of the best ways to live, something I've been doing that I didn't even realize that they all had this in common. But I actually realized it when I was reading an ancient hermetic text that said, manifest within yourself all opposites of qualities. I've never heard this before. I'll read you the whole text later, but if you just think about that for a second, manifest within yourself all opposites of qualities. So, like, you don't want to be the guy that just lets nature take its course and doesn't stand up for people but you don't want to be the guy that totally prevents nature from taking its course and saves everyone who's inferior right right or you don't want to be the guy who's you you could i don't need to give any more examples you could take that to any direction you want to yeah but you want you want to like a, a great examples i could think of is there's a a group an organization called pink pistols which is a organization that supports um gun ownership for gay people and it's it's you it's funny because like you usually think of gay rights as a as a left-leaning thing and then gun ownership as a right-leaning thing and there's other things like um democrats for the second amendment other and i love things like that and i think generally people do like things like that yeah i mean so it's really about balance yeah every and whenever you and people generally across the board respond positively to balance is what i found would yeah. you, wouldn't you agree that most people at, le- at least would find something like pink pistols entertaining i would say most but and the reason i would say i would say most but i think that uh a lot of the vocal i think a lot of the the leftist agenda is very vocal it's very loud yeah. it's a minority i don't think i don't think most democrats and leftists are are that toxic and fucking loud and, and abrasive. I just think that the ones who are, they're, they're just an incredibly loud minority. And I think those type of people would absolutely oppose something like that. I do. Really? Yes. I mean, okay. Take like the social media left, right? Your average social media left. Do you think, and, and they're of course all for like gay rights and this and that and the other. Do you think those people would probably support gun ownership? No, no. Even even if it were the gay community, well, yeah, they're, they're, they're so hard standing on their issues. But I feel like that's a mistake on either side. It you is. Can't I be, agree. But like, I'm, say, I'm, I'm I'm saying yeah. that most people, yeah, would be generally moderate about it and be accepting of it. I feel like a higher percentage of the general population would support pink pistols than would support either issues on their own. Right? Like, let's say. Fifty percent of the population would support gun ownership. Fifty percent supports gay rights. Yeah. But seventy-five percent would support gay people owning guns because they'd both get a kick out of it and be like, "Oh, that's cool." Yeah, I'd and, agree and, with that. I think most people. Yeah, I think yeah. most people, honest, most people are reasonable. Yeah. I think most people 
have good intentions. Most people are reasonable. Most people are open uh, to discussion. Mm-hmm. Most people are undecided. Yeah. But there's just it's just the people who aren't. It's just the people who are locked in, laser focused. Those are the people who are the loudest. Yeah. That's... The pe- the most people most people are undecided. And they have reason to be because of their psychological makeup. Well, see, most people are fence sitters, such as myself. Yeah. And you know they play it piece by piece. I don't agree with one thing or the other i don't i don't agree with one part i think the political party system is fucking trash it's stupid you know it's it should be case by case piece by piece and i think most of those people are the most moderate but see those people such as myself aren't the people who are off here jabbing off at the fucking mouth we're people myself and i think i can safely say you as well these type people i think make up most people but they're too busy listening to both sides, yeah. to be running their fucking mouth, talking so much, being so loud. I'd rather listen to all points and then make an informed decision. But see, it's the it's the vocal minority on both sides, right and left, that are so fucking loud. They're not the majority at all. They're just loud, you know, mm-hmm. because they're so self-assured based on their own environment. Like a video I saw the other day, which, by the way, this is all of this is grossly off-topic on competition, but whatever. Um sorry two three listeners <laughs> if you really 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 committed to the idea of competition uh throughout this but basically i saw a video uh of an 11 year old girl trans trans girl uh where the parents are uh, two two women they're lesbians and then the ma- the father biological father is a gay man and this is an 11 year old uh trans child this is fucking child abuse okay and I, I firmly believe that where you are trying to libby was just telling me about her co-worker actually interestingly enough where she's a lesbian and she has a son and she raised in and, and she has an ex-wife this woman and then her friend also or, or like her yeah, so her friend or her co-worker has an ex-wife and then her uh, they have a kid together. And then the the ex-wife also has a new wife, right? And then the, the her co-worker has a new wife. So there's four women. There's two sets of female parents, right, if you follow me, to put it simply. And Libby keeps saying that the, the woman keeps asserting that the child may be gay or trans and just keeps forcing the issue, forcing the issue forcing the issue every time the kid is moody or upset or acting strangely you know the mother thinks the child may be gay or trans or whatever when you know this is this child is is i think adopted i'm not entirely sure but unlikely that biologically this child was gay Uh, more than likely it's certain environmental factors i mean you're surrounded you have no male figures whatsoever there you are surrounded by fee male fucking figures on every corner you have two, four mothers. Yeah, okay. So I think more than likely, yeah, this child will, will be gay, you know, uh, which is whatever. But it's just when you're 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 forcing a child to be something. And it's the the irony is that the people who claim to be the most tolerant and who are in turn chastising everyone else, like they're bullying people into tolerating things uh, that they just don't agree with. Just because I don't agree, like they... they Hate monger. I do not agree with uh, transgenderism. I think that it's uh, subsequent to numerous mental illnesses that need to be analyzed by professionals. 
I don't think there is anything even remotely natural about cutting off a fucking phallus and then taking skin from your fucking thigh to surgically make titties. There's nothing about that that's natural. It's just not. Okay? So when you look at homosexuality, as we've discussed before, it's in every animal ever. It's been there since forever. Male animals fuck other male animals. It just is. Well, yeah, I mean, you that's, know, that's been observed. In everything. That's been observed everywhere. The fucking Romans used to fuck each other in the bathhouses, you know, a couple a thousand or so years ago. But transgenderism is an entirely different notion. You know, you're yeah. you're self mutilating to reach an image well, see, that you feel is adequate. I don't have a problem with with individual choices because I'm ultimately libertarian and yeah. pro individual. I'm talking about as a child, not as an adult. Okay, yeah. As I mean, an adult, I agree because I yeah. am registered libertarian. As an adult. If you're an adult man and you decide, you know what, I, this is the way I feel, this is what I am, as yeah. a libertarian, I support your fucking right to do so. But I'm talking about being a parent to an 11-year-old child. Well, first of all, a parent doesn't have the authority to make a decision like that for a child, and the child shouldn't have the authority to make it for themselves. I, nothing, I feel like you should have to wait till you're 18. Just well, that, like if see, you want I agree. to smoke cigarettes, I agree. you have to wait till you're 18. Well, this is what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah. It's not that I disagree with transgenderism as an adult. To, to sort of rephrase what I said before, like I, I do personally believe, now again, it's sort of like abortion, right? Like I was talking to Libby about that before you came in, we were discussing that. But I do not agree that it should come to that, right? But I support your right to do it, okay? I think that there are numerous options that you can take to, to avoid have to having to have an abortion in the first place there's so many forms of birth control and if education were to push it instead of abstinence which is a fucking joke most of these like my cousin has five fucking kids she's like 22 she's your age that's absurd that's obscene you know this person needs to be on birth control but i support a person's right to get an abortion i just don't think it should have to come to that but ultimately if it did i'd say you know what they're an individual it's their individual right it's their body i support it you know like that that's just the way it goes and just as a transgender i personally believe that if you are an adult and you chop your dick off and you have titties surgically implanted onto your body and you regard yourself as a woman despite the fact that you don't have a uterus or ovaries or have the ability to reproduce you more than likely have some form of a fucking mental illness more than likely okay that i think warrants further research nonetheless as an adult I 100% support your right to do it. I do. I believe you should have the right to do it. But as a parent, if you are a parent, if one of you three fucking bastard listeners fall into this category and you are a parent to a small child and you allow them to have a fucking sex change operation, which it has happened, by the way. It is permitted. It is allowed. It has been done. Okay? For, I've seen videos of 14-year-old, not the surgery, but just the the child discussing it on YouTube, like 14, 15 years old, who's had sex change operation. This is fucking child abuse. It is child abuse. I can assure you, and I think you can agree with this, you are certainly not the person you are now that you were when you were 15. No. Not at all. No. You don't know who the fuck you are when you're 13, 14, 15. And to allow a child to make such a decision is fucking disgusting. And that's where tolerance isn't really tolerance. It's you pushing an agenda. It's you and your fucking agenda. Or you just are genuinely apathetic. 
But I refuse to believe that any parent is that apathetic. And if you are, you shouldn't be a parent at all. See? I don't know. I feel like mental involvement on those issues is a waste of energy. In what regard? What do you mean? Like, for me to, to even think about my opinion on that, I've just wasted time thinking about it. It doesn't affect me in any way. Yeah, which is, of course, a, a yeah. traditional libertarian mindset to take. And if if someone, unless it's, like, in my family, unless, I mean, unless it's in my family, if someone... Unless it directly impacts you in some yeah, way. Yeah, I don't... It, it's almost... Um, it's almost immoral in a way to say I don't care. But in a certain sense, like, I don't... Unless it directly affects me and my family and my my lifestyle, I really don't care. The only the only reason I have any problem with hard left agendas is the 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 fighting against the freedom of speech because I'm I'm all because again I'm pro individual right. I think people should be able to come out and say racist stuff as easily as people should be able to get transgender surgery when they're fifteen, right? Let people make their mistakes. I don't know. You... Well, see, th- I just feel like, to for me too as well, it is more about free speech than anything. But yeah, I'm telling you, only, as, as a 15-year-old, like yeah. it does affect you. It affects yeah. you more than you know, and I'll tell you why. It's the same reason you should care you know, about like the obesity epidemic. You should care because it yeah. does affect you. All of these things, we are ultimately united as much as we'd like to think like i support the individual just as well and i genuinely am a libertarian but at the same fucking time it's like when you allow a child to get a sex change operation and this shit is covered by certain insurance policies then that causes insurance rights to go up for every fucking well no it shouldn't be caused by covered by insurance well i mean mean, that's what they're pushing for well, that's what they're pushing for. That's for these things to be yeah. not cosmetic surgery. Well, no. they're, because their argument, their argument is now I'm not saying that's necessarily the case as of now. Yeah. But their argument that it should be yeah. is saying, listen, this isn't a cosmetic operation. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm supposed to be. My 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 the only the only thing that concerns me about about politics is the stability of the long-term geopolitical structure of the world and the survival of humanity. And any cultural changes, I say, just let them play out. I want to see what happens. But unless it's going to cause a collapse of the United States as we know it, mm-hmm. which is a, a unlikely but legitimate concern for socialism, because we've seen what socialism has done to countries like Cambodia and Thailand and Myanmar and the Soviet Union... Um, <laughs> that's a whole different can of worms. You can look up the socialist revolutions in those countries if you're curious about them and what they resulted in. But that put aside, the the attack on the freedom of speech and the attack on gun ownership is its own thing. And the only reason I support gun ownership, and I don't I don't own an assault rifle. I probably never will. I have no reason to. But the thing that makes America the most difficult country in the world to invade and occupy is not the US military it's the american population because you you can you can defeat an organized military right that that fights in battles to control cities but you can't defeat a guerrilla force which is the reason that the entire US military might could not 
conquer Vietnam. It's the reason we can't get Al-Qaeda and the Taliban under control because they all utilize guerrilla warfare, which is basically follows the art of war, which is why the Viet Cong were indestructible because they followed the art of war, right? So one of the things is fight your enemy where they are weak. If your enemy is strong, back away from the fight. If your enemy is weak, attack. That's all guerrilla warfare is. You don't try to control cities. You just ambush them. Yeah. Right. And the, the fact that U.S. civilians are armed and the fact that one third of U.S. civilians have guns, that's a hundred million man unorganized militia. And the more unorganized, the better <laughs> because they can just ambush you. Little yeah, groups I mean, of, and I, you could never occupy U.S. territory for that reason. Right. I mean, like I said, I, I do think those are certainly the most important points. All I'm saying is that anything that interferes with a minor is fucking immoral. It's immoral. When you're talking about a child, it's the same reason like child porn is fucking immoral and wrong. It's the it, yeah. because it is the manipulation and because we, when you're a child, when you when you're a young child or when you're a prepubescent, you're an adolescent, you are unformed. You yeah. are not complete yet. And for someone to abuse, like it's the same, like if someone sexually abuses you, if if you fucking distribute child pornography or watch child pornography, if you uh, permit children to have sex change operations, you are tampering with something that is not yet done. Yeah, It's not yet complete. It's a different fucking ball game. If you're 18 years old and you want to lop your fucking pecker off, do you, friend. I don't give a shit. You could be whoever and whatever you want. I don't have to agree with every single no. thing you do. I just support your absolute fucking American right to do so as a libertarian should. But at the same time, where I draw the fucking line is minors. And that's with anything. You know, I don't think it's appropriate for a fucking 10-year-old to smoke crack. Yeah, well, it, it goes the same way with parents prescribing their children um, Adderall and yeah, antidepressants. And I mean, just you're talking about a child. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Children, like the like drugs, I believe, as I've told you numerous times, I think all drugs should be legal in every yeah. fucking single capacity. But I think the line do you, should do you, be drawn do you think it children. Should be, do you think it should be legal for children to be given any prescriptions? And if so, for what reasons? Like, I, would, because, I would strongly say, for the most part, I wouldn't say entirely no. Because you can't deny antibiotics, but yeah. when you get to like Adderall, it becomes gray. So what do you I think? I think anything that alters, I'll put it this way. Anything that alters the mental state that is completely and utterly unneeded, like well, what, for example, how do you define unneeded? How unneeded? I would define unneeded? Uh, like unruly what if, children. What, what if a child was suicidal? If a child was, I would, I would strongly encourage therapy at first. I'd, I would push for testing and therapy to see if there's anything chemically wrong. Because sometimes people have chemical imbalances. You can see this shit on like MRIs and whatnot. Can you? Yes, you can see like certain parts of the fucking brain that light up. Do, and do people they, who do have they know enough disorder. about brain structure to see an MRI and know if someone mm, has I, I don't know about that, but I know there's a, you know, I can't say foolproof. Yeah. But I would say that it, it has value and that certain parts of the brain light up and fucking dim down and all this other shit. It's like Simon says, it's fucking crazy. But yeah. you absolutely can put a child into therapy and I think would find tremendous value in that. I think therapy is very valuable to children i mean that's what a fucking guidance counselor is i think there is value and i think most things can be resolved through talking i do and more importantly someone listening and when you're a teenager most of the things you just want is somebody to fucking listen that's it you know that's what i would have wanted Mm -hmm. as a child so 
I, I would be very reluctant. I would definitely back the fuck off Ritalin and all these like ADHD medications and all this other bullshit. Yeah. It, it's got to stop. The overprescription in America is a tremendous problem. Opioid addiction is a tremendous problem. And it's because of overprescription. People are overprescribed. You know, look, I can say as a fucking cardiac patient, I'll go into cardiology. Dude, there's people in there in their fucking 40s who have a, a, a bag full of medicine. Like a fucking giant gallon Ziploc bag of different medications. You know, my parents, perfect examples. They're on innumerable fucking amounts of medication. They just shouldn't be on them anymore. You know? You you need to get off of this shit. And they think they need them. And it develops like psychological dependencies and shit. All I'm trying to say is that I think ultimately, yes, the individual right comes first in nearly every single circumstance. To your right to own a gun, which I totally support. I own guns. I'm all for it. Absolutely. 100%. People in the far left are, are so fucking blind, for the most part, that they don't understand. It's it's not about other people or, or shooting. It's not about that. It's exactly what you said. It's to, to defend ourselves from our own fucking government, which for whatever reason they can't comprehend or just refuse to acknowledge. Yeah. Well, you, you'll hear people make the argument a lot that well, the government has tanks and drones and all we have are shotguns, but the, a, a, a guerrilla army with shotguns is way more powerful than tanks and drones. Yeah, well, because it's like you said in <laughs> Vietnam, yeah. these people, they're ruthless. Mm-hmm. They have no, if it were really them or us, like, they're a military. They're going to operate under some kind of fucking military conduct or whatever. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not going to give a fuck. Yeah. Like, we're, we're going to be the most ruthless fucking Whatever stakes we got to go to. To be clear, you're talking as if you were the Viet Cong. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's how yeah. you're saying it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So the military is going to follow military strictures, military objectives. They're going to try to conquer cities. Yeah. yeah. But you're going to be setting You're going to be ambushing under fucking bridges and shit. Yeah, setting up booby the, traps yeah. and, and snake pits and shit. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and so my uncle was in Vietnam. I mean, he talked to me about it. That's the way it fucking was. Yeah. It's crazy, you know? So what I'm saying is like, yeah, individual right, absolutely. You 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 feel like again. I don't think there's. See, you have to distinguish. There's a tremendous difference between agreeing with something and supporting it. You don't have to agree. You're never going to agree with everyone, and I don't. But nonetheless, I will almost always support it as yeah. an adult, as long as it does not negatively impact another person. That's mm-hmm. what a libertarian does. Again, it's like drug usage. We've been over drugs like that's one of our most fucking talked about subjects mm-hmm. it it should be legal and in under certain yeah. circumstances i think it can be wildly successful. and actually i can give you economic proof right now that that the legal war against drugs is strengthening the illegal market so you know of something called elasticity of demand no it's an economics term so this is the reason why uh flights to china for Americans are fifteen hundred dollars, and flights to China are half that price. I mean, yeah, you me, briefly touched on this, Thailand, yeah. yeah, because typically Americans who fly to Thailand are low-budget travelers, and they're not going to pay that much for a ticket. They don't have a lot of money. So if you, pr- even though it's the same distance flight, the same amount of fuel is used, the same airlines, if you're flying to Thailand and you price the tickets at $1,500, less people are going to buy the tickets, and there's going to be less overall revenue. But if you price them at 700 even though you're making less profit per ticket, you're going to sell more tickets that way, and you'll make more revenue. So, for example, cigarettes have a very low elasticity of demand, which means that if you were to double the price of cigarettes, 
so the the elasticity of demand of cigarettes is 0.3. So let me think about this. That means that if you were to if you were to double the price of cigarettes or increase the price by 100%, which is what that means, right? Then you would reduce demand by 30%. So that means more revenue, right? Even though demand goes down 30%, you're making twice as much profit, 100% more profit. Now, certain things like um, luxury travel, right, has a, has a negative elasticity of demand, which means if you raise the price, revenue will go down. And uh, actually, the worst elasticity of demand is Mountain Dew. Really? Yeah. So the higher the price, revenue goes way down. Like if you sell Mountain Dew for a dollar out of a vending machine versus two dollars, you'll make more revenue if you set it to a dollar. More people will buy it. Um, other things with a low elasticity of demand are like steel, eggs, things that people always buy, always need. No matter what the price, they will pay. And drugs are the ultimate elasticity of demand. They're down there with cigarettes. So people will pay, especially addictive drugs, you know, heroin, cocaine, which is the, the main goal of making yeah. drugs this illegal. is a very complicated way of explaining yeah. that motherfuckers who do drugs are gonna find a way to do drugs exactly. and it don't matter if it's legal or it's illegal so to explain what happens is if you let's say 100 pounds of drugs coming over the border and they seize 25 pounds the cartels are actually going to make more money not less hmm. they may let's say you arrest some of their dealers good they have to pay less people they're still gonna make more no, it, makes, it, make, yeah. it all makes complete they're gonna sense. make more profit yeah yeah. That makes t- total sense. And I mean, if you're fucking chemically addicted to a drug, you're you're gonna pay whatever yeah. <laughs> price goes up. Okay, whatever. Yeah. I'll just fucking sell my couch. And actually, most once once uh, illegal criminal economies are well established, there's very little violence. Uh, yeah. Once once there's control set over a territory, there may be small skirmishes between the the edges of those territories where the drugs are sold. Yeah, but it pales very in comparison, violence. though. It only it but when someone is arrested, especially when a kingpin is arrested. An entire territory opens up; it, it becomes a war zone. Yeah, and so the constant fight to try to well, I mean, if you look at the prison population, the prison system, yeah, is mostly occupied by people who are in there for drug-related crimes. Yeah, most violent crimes, to at least the last I looked at, are drug-related. Are drug-related. Yeah, <laughs> right. So if you legalize so drugs, you re- the prison system is fucking seventy-five percent of the prison population it's gets gone. released. Yeah, you can integrate them into society, and you end the violent criminal things in mexico right so you make mexico a safe country because almost all the violent crime in mexico is drug related yeah. and al- almost all of that fuels u.s drug consumption people since the dawn of time same men thing in desire Columbia. you would you, just, you would remove all violence in south america central america north america yeah well th- since the dawn of time Southeast people Asia. always seek a way to get fucked up because when you acknowledge the dread of existence and you think about the notion of truly living and then dying, it's fucking mortifying. So that, along with a million other minor anxieties that you get throughout a fucking day, that is how people get into drugs. For And then, of course, there are a million other variables. So you really are going... That's like saying, uh, we're just going to fucking stop having existential crises. What? No, of course all men from fucking through all time no matter how good your life is comparatively whether you live in fucking shit tier in the fucking bushes of zimbabwe as i mentioned before or or in the fucking highest of high thrones you will find yourself in the midst of an existential fucking crisis throughout your life and thus 
That's like fucking just denying that the fucking sky is blue. These things will happen. It's going to happen. People will get fucked up because when you have to contend with the weight of that, which everyone will at some point or they'll die before it happens. You will either experience it or you will die before that moment occurs. But if you live to see it, and you more than likely will, most people deal with this in numerous ways. And a lot of times, it's drugs. Not always, but a lot of times. Okay? So you're just fucking denying what it just is. It just is. Okay? And the better thing to do is to just fucking accept that it's... It's like... it's. Let me tell you a perfect perfect analogy right here this is a tasty analogy because it's it's beautiful fucking sex when you're in school and a school teaches abstinence okay that's saying well we're just teaching you to just not fuck don't fuck just don't do it well what's a safe way about going about fucking just don't just don't okay well first of all it is within you to want to fuck it is innate you are biologically predisposed to fuck you are conditioned to fuck not that you're conditioned to do drugs but you are conditioned to fear certain fucking things right and drugs help quell fear or at least like drinking at a party to relax yourself or whatever to integrate socially certain drugs just fucking it's the same reason people smoke weed for fucking anxiety and all other shit you know, certain things help certain circumstances, okay? And they just have for fucking hundreds and thousands of years, and they always will be a part of society. It'll never, ever go away. I don't give a shit if it's if kids are getting high on nutmeg or it's some synthetic weird shit. It doesn't matter. But to teach abstinence is to deny nature, okay? It's to deny human nature. But when you, when you actually properly teach kids how to fuck you're allowing them to be, to act out their nature, to to let loose what is innate within them within safe confines, which is exactly what you do if you legalize drugs. You legalize drugs that allows them to do what they're already going to do, but it's just safer for everybody. It just seems so obvious. It's like, it almost seems like discussing it is just overkill. But I mean, for some people, it's just not. It is. And we will end it there. Yeah. On drugs, On per drugs. usual. Yeah. Far, right. far from the original idea of the topic. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. That's it.